0: Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Welcome to Hour 2 of tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Just sitting here thinking, I don't know how appropriate that intro is when I'm about to bring in Pastor Joe Schimmel onto tonight's Henry Kay Show. I'm not sure if that intro of Dynamite in a Dress is pastor approved. I will remind people who don't know, though, that that is a nickname that was given to me by my mother because Mama said when I was born, she expected a quintessential little Southern belle and what she got was dynamite in a dress. All right. Hour two is here. Joining me for a ride. For the ride, as always, is producer DJ Sesame Broccolini. Got it, dude. Sesame Broccolini. Mm, yummy. Up in his house. (laughs) Happy to be here, but also a lot of heavy stuff today, so I I don't know how to feel,
2: but I'm glad to be here overall.
1: I am. Yes. Always glad to have you with me as my partner in crime. I'm glad to have an honor to have uh, Pastor Joe Schimmel with me tonight. He is... Founder of the Good Fight Ministries... He's host of The Good Fight and and co-host, I believe he's got a partner, on The Good Fight radio show podcast. He's also author of a new book. He is one of the pastors. Y'all know how long I've been talking about how we need more pastors to be speaking up against the war on children, about the war on children and this whole transgenderism. He's got a book out called Sparky, the Broken Mirror. Um, We'll get into that a little bit later, but I wanted to bring on Pastor Schimmel tonight because I've been wondering and thinking about where this conflict, this war, this attack, what's going on in Israel, where does it fit? Fit into Bible prophecy. And as much uh, of uh, as m- much as much of the Bible I've read, I don't feel like I really know myself. Pastor Joe Schimmel, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. It's
3: great to be on with you, Andrea. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Um, I've got so many questions. So many people do. So let's start with, I guess, the obvious question. It may be one of the later questions, but it, the main one in my mind is, is this related to the end times or? Or is this just another one of the many battles we've seen going back and forth between Israel and their neighbors in in the Gaza Strip and Hamas over the past 75 years?
3: Yeah, I personally have, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is the end right at this moment, but it definitely is part and parcel of the puzzle because there is an increasing intensity of hatred toward Israel worldwide that will escalate as they enter into uh, Gaza, and they begin to if they if they seek to root out Hamas, it's going to be incredibly bloody, and a lot of the sympathy that went toward the Israelis, which you don't often see, uh, will will diminish greatly as people start seeing pictures of them trying to root out Hamas. But there'll be casualties, and uh, just I mean, right after, as you know, Andrea, right after the, uh, the the huge massacre, I mean, you had you know all these little babies, you know, some being mm. just you know beheaded and so forth. The, the world stopped for a second, and there was a, a, minute of, a moment of clarity to see how wicked Hamas is. Uh, but right after that, I mean, there were uh, brutal you know, calls to, to jihad around the world. And uh, yeah. what happened was there were, you know, as you know, there were all kinds of uh, protests going on with, you know, gas the Jews and everything else, reminiscent of the Holocaust. And that happened before they even invaded. Can you imagine what's going to happen later? Now we look at scripture; it says all the nations in the future will surround Israel. At Armageddon uh, to destroy her and so forth. And what's amazing when you look at that picture, it's like, how could that actually happen? How could all these nations have just such a hatred for little old Israel? Uh, you have about a 50, about 49, 50 different Muslim nations, 22 of which are Arabs, and Hamas can't be assimilated into those areas, apparently. Uh, and Israel's got this one little postage stamp of a nation in the land, and they, many, of the, many of those leaders in Hamas and so forth, Iran and so forth, want to destroy them. So biblically speaking, there is a precedent to understand that there has an escalation of hatred toward Israel around the world to pull off the whole Armageddon scenario at the end. And I don't see any other, I mean, when Ukraine uh, was invaded by Russia, there were people that were upset, but you didn't see all this hatred uh, toward Russia and, and these protests yeah. all around the world. Now, Israel has been on the receiving end of it, and you see all this hatred being poured out. So I believe that's going to escalate. And right now we got wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Uh, the end is not yet. So the temple isn't rebuilt. The Antichrist is ready to sit in the temple. So it's not the very end. But I do believe it's part and parcel that leads up to the end.
1: Okay. Um, there seems to be some some... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disagreement as to when the Antichrist comes into power, what need, what the sequence of events is, in terms of that, in relation to the rapture and beyond. What do you, what do you think the sequence of events is?
3: Yeah, well, uh, uh, two things along those lines is, and I've been saying this. I've been pastoring <laughs> for uh, nearly uh, you know over thirty years, and I've been saying something that's kind of you know counter you know. The popular narrative, a lot of people say, hey, watch Europe. It's going to be the Middle East, or not the Middle East, but Europe is going to be this revived Roman Empire. And I've been saying, for, I've taught through the book of Revelation twice, both almost seven years each time uh, in, our, in our fellowship here in Southern California. Uh, and both times I've taught on this, I've warned, and beyond that as well, that there's two legs to the Roman Empire. There was the East and the West, and the East was the Middle East. You know, Paul was a Roman citizen. He appealed to one of the Roman leaders when they were, you know, uh, bring, him that I'm a Roman citizen, but he was in the Middle East. And what people don't realize, and I think it's very important, a lot of people don't realize, a lot of, some people get it. Uh, and it's just his opinion, so you've got to test everything, but one thing to look at is when you see these beastly empires in Daniel's day being identified in Daniel chapter 2, you see the head of a lion, which most scholars agree that represents a Babylon, and then su- subsequent to the head of the lion, you have this Medo-Persian empire, a bear, arise, Uh, And then from there, you have Mm -hmm. the Grecian Empire with Syria, which is a leopard. Then we get too complex. But Babylon, we know, is modern-day Iraq today. We know Persia is modern-day Iran. Uh, It wasn't too long ago that they changed their name. And the Grecian-Syrian Empire, uh, you know, was was basically the Grecian-Syrian Empire was a leopard well, when you go to Revelation thirteen, Andrea, it describes the final beast because there 's a fourth beast. I mentioned three there in daniel two there 's a fourth beast that 's the final beast, and it 's diverse from the other beast. But the book of Daniel at the end you read is is uh, a, you know a sealed book. Revelation at the end of that book it says book this book isn 't sealed, so you see the identity of that fourth final beast empire. Uh, and then in Revelation 13, one and 2, it identifies it as having uh, the body of, or the, the feet of a bear and the body of, it, it looks like a leopard and it has the mouth of a lion. Well, that's Iraq. <laughs> that's Iran. And now Iran has basically, for all intents and purposes, they have a lot of things set up in Iraq. So you have Iraq, Iran, and guess what? The Grecian Empire was, it, it, it was basically the zenith of its power was escalated through Syria. Uh, and that's where the Antioch's Epiphanies basically went to the temple and desecrated the temple and set up a statue, which was half him, half Zeus, and, and wanted to be worshipped, a picture of the Antichrist. So I find it incredibly fascinating right now that you have, you have Iraq, Iran, and Syria in play, all Shiites, all looking for this coming world leader to destroy Israel so they could bring in the Islamic judgment. And this is where it gets crazy. You go up to the north. You have Gog and Magog, you have Russia, and Russia is now coming out more than ever as an ally, and they have been for some time, of of Iran. But they used to kind of play the middle a little bit, but obviously they're pro-Iranian. Putin just came out recently, and you know they've invaded, obviously, um, you know, they've invaded Ukraine, and they have aspirational powers. So it's really interesting because when you read Ezekiel 38, 39, 40, uh, you see an alliance between uh, Gog and Magog and the other nations and if you identify those nations today they're they're very Islamic and this gets crazier when you realize that in the book of Daniel the Archangel Michael's fighting against helping Gabriel fighting against the Prince of Persia it's a demonic principality over Persia which is modern-day Iran and that spirit is alive and well today I believe personally It manifests itself through the spirit of Islam, uh, which came several centuries after the Bible was completed and after the Lord Jesus Christ. I I want to stop you there because
1: I don't want to lose people that aren't Christians and they don't know who Gog and Magog. is. So basically what you're saying is, is this is following biblical prophecy because we can see, according to the Bible, the players are Iran, Syria, and Iraq, as well as Russia to the north, which is the bear. You know, I clearly think this is playing out uh, according to biblical prophecy. I personally think we're in the end times. Nobody knows how long that's going to take. I I say, Jesus, take me now. Let's bring on the rapture. (laughs) We're talking to Pastor Joe Schimmel. But there's there's so much uh, ignorance uh, on the part of Americans. One of the reasons why we've seen rallies is because the American people, through the indoctrination in our schools, have been made to believe that Israel are the occupiers, that after World War Two, the Israel, you know, that the Jews came back and kicked out people who belonged there. That's absolutely not true. Can you give a little quick history lesson on whose land that is?
3: Yeah, well you go to uh Genesis twelve, Genesis nineteen, God had promised it to Israel, promised to Abraham and you know, and and we know this God it's like, Well, the Muslim thinks they're God Allah, and people can make those arguments, but guess what? The God of the Bible states that he proves he's the one true God. He says in Isaiah forty six ten that I declare the end from the beginning, and from ancient times I declare what will be and my purpose will stand. And this God claims that Israel would reject their Messiah They'd cease to be a nation for some time. Then he'd bring them back into the land. In fact, I believe it's Isaiah 66, 8, where he says, who would have imagined that this could ever take place? He says, uh, but it, uh, that a nation would be born in a single day, that a country would be formed in, in, in a in a moment's time. And he's declaring that, all the, that Israel come back from all the nations, which from Andrea, they were scattered throughout the world. They've come back from 70 nations now. Nothing like that's ever happened before never happen again uh, but it's happened to israel and the god of the bible says i proved that in the one true god he says in the same book isaiah because he says do you know about my ancient nation speaking of israel can you tell her future so he says if you seek out your astrologers they can't even deliver themselves from judgment but i tell you the true history so he's proven who he is and what this land belongs according to god he gave it to israel i mean we have documented history that goes 3,000 years back, you know, to the Cursed Tablet, uh, to King David. Uh, you're talking 1,000 years before Christ, that's 3,000 years right there. Uh, with Hamas, and, and who isn't there right now, uh, they, Hamas, that Gaza Strip area, Andrea, was, uh, you know, occupied for many years by the Philistines. Yeah, and mm-hmm. anybody can just do a little study and look up who the Philistines were. They were Greeks. They were Europeans. Uh, there's no Greek European blood in the gene pool of those who are in Gaza right now. In fact, I you can. Somebody can do, they can even go to the politically correct, dare I say, the politically uh, correct Wikipedia and type in Palestine, and they'll find out from many historians that are quoted there that are pro-Palestine as far as, hey, they should be, you know, they should be there and everything else. But these pro-Palestinian historians admit that it's a modern day phenomenon, that there was no national identity of the Palestinians. In fact, Andrea, you and I know from a biblical perspective, I think this is really fascinating, that, uh, that they were dispersed in 70, AD, not long after Jesus, you know, the Messiah was crucified. Can you they hang on just a second? Excuse,
1: yes, excuse sure. me for interrupting, Pastor Joel. I, I'm going to need to take a break and hold you over because we're getting into some deep stuff, but that music means that I got to take a break. Great. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We've got more with Pastor Joel Schimmel, founder of the Good Fight Ministries and the Good Fight Radio Show podcast. Stay tuned.
3: Dynamite in a dress. or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer. San Diego.
1: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Con- continuing on our fascinating conversation with Pastor Joe Schimmel, founder of Good Fight Ministries, author of the book "Sparky the Broken Mirror." And also host of the Good Fight Radio Show podcast. So you were educating us, trying to give us a quick history lesson of the land, uh, down to the point to where, first of all, these are God's chosen people. He created this land area for the Jews in Israel. Uh, then you were telling us that that's where the Philistines were hanging out. And the Philistines came from a bunch of different areas, Yes.
3: Yeah, they came mostly from uh, what's known as Greece today. Uh, now, uh, history tells us that they don't exist anymore. So, But it's interesting that after the dispersion that happened in 70 AD, you had another one in 135 because you had a, a, a revolt among some of the Jews that were still there. And the Roman emperor decided that, you know, historically, Andrea, the name of Israel had be called, you know, that it was called Judea by both the Roman rulers and the Greek rulers. But the Roman emperor changed it to Philistine land or Palestine after the Philistines, which don't exist. In fact, history tells us that the Philistines don't exist anymore. So who came later? Well, through the last 2000 years, Jews had still been there. Uh, Arabs came from Arabia after the Jews had uh, been resettled in 1948, and there were still some Arabs there throughout throughout the years. Uh, But keep in mind, it was a wasteland. Mark Twain wrote about Israel when he had visited there, about how you can nearly see a soul, you know, and and it's a a desolate land and so forth. Well, when Israel came back, they drained the swamps, the malaria disappeared. It became one of the more fruitful places in the earth and one of the most most fruitful places in the Middle East. And guess what? A bunch of Arabs had moved in and so forth, uh, working with the Israelis and working for the Israelis and so forth. Now, I will say this. There were Arabs that were there prior to Israel going there, just like there were Jews. I've got a huge book called in the Jerusalem Post. It has all their front page articles for, for decades every significant year uh, prior to them reclaiming the land in 1948. And it was a Jewish newspaper, I and mean, you see Hitler rising to power on my page, and you see him taking over, you see the Holocaust. So you had the, you had the Jerusalem Orchestra, uh, which was all Jews. But you had Arabs there as well. But what happened, Andrea? as you know, May 14, 1948, when the prophecy was fulfilled and Jews began to come back into the land, uh, Arabs were asked by their neighboring Arab nations to leave Israel until we wipe the Jews out when they come back, and then you can go back to your land. Well, many of the Jews left Israel, i sorry, Arabs left Israel at that time, but actually, when Syria and Jordan and Egypt had united, uh, they actually lost the war, and the Arabs that were waiting for them to be destroyed wanted to come back to the land. And Israel said, wait a minute, you were out for our destruction. So there's a lot, of, it's a very complex situation, but if you go to Israel this day, Andrew, I've been there several times, and perhaps you have as well. Arabs and Jews in the land, I mean, Arabs are part of the Neset, which is equivalent to our Senate almost, as well as Jews, it's free. Uh, You can, uh, they they rule together. It's not just Jews that are ruling Israel. So it's interesting when you look at the history and and you see what's going on there, it's quite different. It's not this apartheid state, you know, that people try to depict.
1: No, of course it's not. In fact, you know, that one of the things that's been astounding to me this week is all these, you know, little, you know... um, you know students for you know Hamas glory to the martyrs who have no idea these are the same mm. people that are pro lgt you know community yeah. and you know try try taking that to gaza and see how well that's received yeah, that's um, i want to talk point. quickly yeah i want to talk quickly about your book sparky the broken mirror one of the things i've had a major problem with in the christian community is too few pastors speaking up at the pulpit against there's too much prosperity doctrine a lot of stuff out there with pastors wanting to talk about depression and, you know, different ways to, you know, be patient and wait on the Lord and all that. But they're not willing to take on the evil, the Trojan horse that is destroying this nation from within. And that's the war against the minds of children. the The it, it, think, That we have churches in this country with drag queens, that we've got Catholic masses bringing drag queens in, that we've got gay ministers, that we don't have big names like Stephen Furtick speaking from the pulpit about what's going on with transgenderism of children is a huge problem for me. Why do you think all that is?
3: Yeah, I I think it's absolutely... Uh, demonic, what's going on in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, know this in latter days, some will you know, he says perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. He says kids will be disobedient parents, but it starts with the parents because he said uh, people without family love. The Greek word is storge. So King James says without natural affection. It's a good translation, but most translations say without love. But the Greek word for love there isn't your typical uh o or ag- agapa or agape, but it's storge, which is only used a couple times in the New Testament. That means family love. It says that we without family love in the last days, and it predicts the breakdown of the family, uh, and you have a concerted effort by top, you know, people that are involved in the occult and so forth. There was a this by the name of Alester Crowley in the last century, and uh, he's been, you know, heralded by uh, many top rock stars, pop stars, hip-hop stars, and so forth. And he says the family is public enemy number one. He called for the dissolution of the family, kind of like uh, BLM, right? Uh, and yeah. he, called, he said that, that the marriage institution is is, is hideous. And so there is a spiritual movement in the occult for many years to break down the family, and then you've seen just a couple years ago it came out with the you know Zoom calls and so forth with Disney about you know how they're going after our children. That's, and so yeah, forth. that's
1: true. <laughs> Excuse me for interjecting, but yeah, we yeah. see with corporate America. I just feel like our churches are, have been and have been corrupted, and there's not enough pastors that are speaking up. And you know when you uh, at, a, at a time in which people need to understand that we are approaching the end times, now more than ever, people need to be brought to Christ, not led Absolutely. down a path or allowed to be drawn into a path of complete evil. And I can't think of anything more demonic than uh, children being put on puberty blockers and being being permanently sterilized and being destroyed in the name of transgenderism that's right so yeah i mutilated that's right yeah they're completely being mutilated and our government's not stopping it these are really difficult times people are in thank you so much for being here tonight and sharing uh and it's way more complicated obviously y'all than we can get into in these segments but i just wanted to make sure you were you know thinking along these lines in terms of biblical prophecy tell everybody how they can hear your podcast and get your book
3: yeah, they could go to, uh, you know, sparkybook.com or Amazon and just type in Sparky the Broken Mirror, which has to do with true identity, how we're creating God's image. And Sparky the Mirror, who's created the image of his king, and he goes to everybody, you know, including witches and so forth, to try to get back together again. But they can't do it because, guess what? That's how the world is, is because he has to meet his king who puts him back together again and finds, finds his true identity. is not in transgenderism, uh, not in the occult, not in Hollywood, not through popular music, but through knowing Christ. And uh, if they could check it out, it's been out for just a few weeks. It became a bestseller overnight, so we're thankful for that. And uh, and they could also good to go to goodfight.org, and I pastor a church called Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley a few hours from, from you or so. But uh, very thankful, uh, Andrea, that you've had me on today, and good to see your heart. I'm glad there's like-minded people fighting the good fight.
1: Absolutely, and thank you for being here. God bless you, Pastor Joe Schimmel.
3: God bless you, Andrea. Have a nice day.
1: Thank you. You too. All right, you guys, stay tuned. we got more Andrea Kay show coming up. we got a big battle, big fight going on between Megan Kelly and Candace Owens. We've got a really great, good news story to share with you guys coming out of the South. And we've got the battle for the speaker gavel taking place tomorrow. Stay tuned.
0: You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay show. Before the break, first two segments, we actually were getting into some biblical prophecy and how this all fits in. If you really didn't understand a lot of what Pastor Shima was saying, if you went too deep, know this. Uh, whether we're in the middle of the end times, the end of the end times, or going into the end times, it's time to get right with Jesus because you never know anyway. Uh, when the Lord is gonna when 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 it's when you're going bye bye so um, that's that's the message there from that. Hey, email me at andrewkshow dot com, If you miss any part of the show, download our podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow is supposed to be it, babies. It's supposed to be the vote for Speaker. It's been going on two weeks since uh, McCarthy. Um, got the gong. Who remembers the gong show? <laughs> Matt Gates whipped the gong out and banged the gong on that fool and said you going bye bye. Of course the Rhinos have done everything that they could to try to either put Scalise in or get McCarthy back in, catch you up to speed. Uh Scalise couldn't get the vote. Jim Jordan's like, I'll take it. And it's been a battle to try to get him across the finish line. There was supposed to be a vote today, but McCarthy's little fool, McHenry, his pro temp, called the vote off until tomorrow. So, all that, uh, now you've been caught up to date. Now I got to bring in my good friend, the yummy, the delicious morsel of spicy fried chicken himself. It's Mondays with Brian Maloney. Hey there. You don't sound. You don't sound like a, a, a yummy nugget of spice. Oh,
4: I don't. I don't. I, I would probably got caught up in that end time thought of yours, and it, it you know reduced the uh, spice level. So you know,
1: sorry, but well, bring well. Listen, you might as well get spicy if you got limited time left. We don't right, know. Right. We could have another hundred years. So bring back the yeah. spice, my dude. So I'm no, hearing no, you're reports. Right. That the the rhino Republicans are so desperate to try to stop Jim Jordan from taking over as speaker that they're actually working with the Democrats to try to give it to Hakeem Jeffries. Right. I mean, right. Uh, really?
4: No, it's, it's so absurd and obscene. I mean, I don't even know where to start. And what's funny is. None of them are facing any backlash or blowback or any of the kind of heat that Matt Gates got not only from the media but from the within the party, none of these people are facing any criticism at all that they could hand power to a Democrat speaker. And they're actually on record saying that, well, you know, uh, Jeffries would be a a moderate. (laughs) I mean, Joaquin Jeffries is a far left. She's, you know, he's to the left of of Nancy Pelosi and and your worst nightmares. Uh, I mean, he is a raving lunatic. So to say that and to have no one within the party say, you know, that, that's really a bad thing, you know, to actually openly conspire to have a Democrat yeah. speaker. So that should. Uh, we, yeah.
1: yeah. And part of the problem is I want to know who the, who these people are. I am sick and tired of the secret vote going on behind the scenes. Well, we Brian have Malone. a list.
4: You know, we have a list of the uh, Rhino sellouts right now. I had it up here a second uh, that, ago. That, w- that, that yeah. went to
1: Hakeem Jeffries?
4: Well, uh, so I don't know if it's completely the same group. I think it is. So there's six or seven holdouts. The the list that I have right now is the most up to date of people who are fighting Jim Jordan. Now, the most outspoken of these is uh, Representative Don bacon of nebraska who is <clears throat> plotting and scheming, all of, he's doing it all on twitter in front of everybody and people are screaming at him uh and his concern is that jim jordan was a, a supporter of trump on j6 and you know we can't have that that kind of person becoming speaker so we have to clean house in our party and get rid of a lot of people forever And, you know, this is the kind of person that we should be planning right now on primary and getting rid of, not whether we live in, you know, Nebraska or California or wherever we live. We need to get rid of these people, whether they live in our state or not. Uh, And we need to be raising money and running other candidates. And we have time right now. It's only October to do this. But, you know, trying to get everybody focused. uh, And then it's like, oh, you know, they just steal elections anyway. Well, they're not stealing you know, the election in Nebraska. I mean, we can we can get rid of someone like Representative Bacon with a little bit of effort. So we've got to put some effort into this. We've yeah. got to start getting rid of people. We can't continue like this. The country is unraveling by the by the hour. Um, and it has nothing to do with, by the way, uh, Matt Gaetz succeeding, getting rid of uh, McCarthy as speaker. That did not bring on the end of the world. It wasn't that at all. It turned out to be yeah. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of other things that have been festering and simmering out there for decades. That's what brought the world down.
1: Well, yeah, um, Representative Rutherford said, I'm a no on allowing Matt Gates and other seven uh, to win by putting their individual in as speaker. Um, you know, and that every, I'm not even going to play the clip because the fact that that was a part of what he said today says everything to you. Republican voters, they hate you. And, yeah, they, you do, know, and yeah. it, they hate you because McCarthy signed his name. He agreed to the condition that one person could remove him if he didn't fulfill his promises. And he didn't. And instead, so Rutherford should be saying, well, you know, you agreed to it, McCarthy. You didn't fulfill your promises. It's called accountability. But what's go- what this did was more than ever shine a light on how deep the uniparty in the establishment is. And they all hate you, America. They're so angry that we got a little bit of power back to us in the form of mass and they're especially angry that not only did, has nothing uh, been done that would make Trump go away, he even said today after this gag order, if I end up in jail, uh, you know, uh, fine, I'll go to jail. So they're so angry that nothing has worked because they thought they'd get rid of Trump and then MAGA would go away just like they were able to squelch the Tea Party, and it hasn't happened. And we only have, and they hate the seven that did this because they're digging their heels in. They were supposed to go away and shut up. And let the establishment continue to have their way. What they are is what they're showing you, America, is you think about a man who punches his wife when he comes home from work because she overcooked his steak or she made chicken when he told her to make steak. This is abuse of power against their own voters. Am I wrong?
4: No, you're absolutely right. And that's the bottom line. We fundamentally have to confront the fact that our own party hates its base, hates, even hates its donors. I mean, hates everybody. They are sitting there in Washington and they are furious. And the thing is, I can't even figure out what their agenda is that we're supposed to be uh, adhering to. I mean, they don't really have their own agenda other than, you know, oh, let's bail out every bank. And, you know, the Mitt Romney, uh, Paul uh, Paul Ryan way of doing everything, uh, you know, and, and which is, you know, come to the rescue. And th- this is the thing. I mean, they're already talking about a second TARP for bailout for medium and small banks across and even large banks across the country. So a second TARP, this is what they've been hiding. So while we've had the Israel thing going on with Gaza and everything else. A whole bunch of stuffs getting hidden, Andrea, behind the scenes, and this is one of them. They're plotting for a gigantic bank bailout. Uh, we started to hear whispers about this last week that an op-ed was published by in an influential public, uh, banking publication on this, that they're lobbying Congress right now for a big fat, and this, you know, this is what the Republicans, led by Mitt Romney, will be, you know, racing toward. Oh, let's bail out some more banks, you know, and, and that's and that's what it comes down to for them. So we are not even on their radar. They don't care about us. We, we have a party that is broken um, and can't be fixed. And we were told we had to stick to this party. Unfortunately, by Trump, he's the one that told us not to form a new conservative party. And that was the mistake. It really was. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. if we had formed that new party, not many people would have stuck with the Republican Party. Almost everybody would have left. So now we're stuck well, with yeah. leadership that's yeah. totally thing is, is, at odds with yeah. us.
1: We only have a minute left, and I wanted to say you're right. The the message after Ross Perot was not that third parties don't work and they're bad. It's that they do. He was able to get... That little big-eared fool out of Texas was able to get a whole. That should have been the message to us that a third party could work. Instead, uh, too many people fell for the idiotic notion that it was that it, we ended up with Clinton. Therefore, third parties never again. And you know right, what? Right. Clinton was actually a better president than George W. Bush was, and his daddy forty-one. There I said it. Um, yeah, yeah. Brian, Malone, thank you for being well, here. Yeah,
4: and Ross Perot, you know, had he not uh, left the race halfway through in 92 and yeah. come back, he probably would have won the presidency. Re- remember that he pulled out halfway through and That's then came true. back toward the end. So he could have done it. The bottom line here is we have to uh, wipe, you know, we've got, I don't know, we've got to wipe out the whole top of the GOP and start over. That's uh, not going to be easy, but we got to get to work here. Uh, we, got we don't to. have a moment to spare.
1: No, we don't. Brian Maloney, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Red Wave America. All right. You guys stay tuned. Uh, Speaking of uh, the Republican Party, and guess what uh, unlikely pair had a conversation back in 2020 about a unity ticket? We're going to share that with you when we come back.
0: Andrea Kay, telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Before the break, last segment, we were talking about the battle for the speaker gavel. There's going to be a vote tomorrow. Uh, the uh, Jim Jordan is a phenomenal choice, but, of course, the crusties from the establishment want to stop him uh, from winning. We've got scheduled Congressman Andy Biggs on tomorrow's show. We'll see if that happens. It depends on how long uh, the voting uh, takes, pl- you know, what all happens. Of course, they're trying to do things behind closed doors. We'll keep you posted for that. But I heard something interesting today. There was, you know, what like right now in 2024, there's, you know, been discussions of should Trump run with RFK Jr. on the VP ticket, make it be, you know, a unity ticket between the parties. Well, I read today that there was discussions of a unity ticket. Ticket back in 2020 for the purposes of stopping Trump and I, la- I literally LOL'd. I literally laughed out loud. It's a good thing these two bozos didn't try to pull this off because it would have been, they would have been a dead ticket walking, okay? I am talking about none other than the grifter Oprah Winfrey and the equally bad uh, stench-filled rhino Mitt Romney. I mean, I, I but i don't really know who was supposed to be at the top of the ticket. I, I don't know which one was supposed to be bozo one and bozo number two i don't know your thoughts sesame broccolini romney's
2: definitely bozo one
1: (laughs) you think oprah would have been content to be on the vp be number two there ain't enough room uh you know for her ego getting through most doors these days and uh, on top of her hiney i don't think her highness and her and her you know ego would have allowed her to be number two
2: no, yeah, there's there's actually no way, and, and Mitt seems like the kind of guy that would be told he's number two and just accept it. So actually, let's say he is bozo one in my heart, but in that order, he's <laughs> he's bozo two when compared to Oprah, who might be the queen of all bozos. Um, actually, she is the queen of all bozos. There is no Mike. Yeah, she, she is. won. So totally. people voted. It's it's unanimous.
1: Well, the thing is, is that I I I wish that I had been a fly on the wall. If these if this report is true, that they were having discussions of a unity ticket. Um, And I don't know how that was supposed to unify anybody, because Oprah's show went down in flames as well as the network she tried to start um, after she all for all these years was a political for all these years. She refused to discuss politics. She owned women in this country. She was so respected, so admired. This poor little girl from uh, the deep south in Mississippi just rose to the top. Top of media worth so much money, and then she refused to bring on Sarah Palin in two thousand eight on her show because she said that she didn't want to be political. But then, of course, she turned right around and had the Obamas on and supported Obama. And then we found out she had been sitting on Reverend Wright's uh, member, Reverend Wright, Jeremiah um, Wright, the Church of Jeremiah Wright. Yep,
2: repent for the great sin of being a white man. That's that's what he. The chickens
1: are coming home. Remember him, Jeremiah Wright. And we found out that Oprah had been wear- wearing her butt out on a pew in Reverend Wright's uh, church. And from that point on, nobody really would, that I know had w- literally w- even some Democrat w- women were kind of like, well, you're not who we thought you were. So I don't know who that ticket that was supposed to unify, because I don't know anybody who can stand her.
2: It's supposed to unify the far left with Mitt Romney types, which are moderate left. I think that's the goal right is to bring together the the moderate liberals that still might exist with people who and that's the thing though i mean when when you talk about unifying this progressive movement you can't unite with them and i don't want us to be pushing that i think unity can be good in some circumstances but disunity also serves a purpose and there is a decoupling going on in this country and i think it's more it's beyond left and right red blue it's establishment and anti-establishment if rfk wants to wants to meet up with vivek and they want to talk you know winning strategy and defeating the deep state and overthrowing the national security state and actually you know uh rooting out corruption then let's talk about i'm interested in uniting around an anti-establishment person and i think trump could lead that so i'm interested in in those talks but i don't know you look at someone like mitt romney who's probably got something of an ego and then someone like oprah who definitely has an ego and you realize that that may have just been about boosting their own status or something Mm -hmm. who's to say if they ever had any real ambition but i do want to get your take why do you think oprah started taking sides in politics was it just because she couldn't help herself and she was so restrained for so long or did why get involved when you're just a public figure who doesn't have to deal with that and i like it when people take a stand i guess like it's a free country you know you have your principles but you're running a popular pop culture show, one of the most popular in Fran- in, in American history. Why weigh into politics at all? And if you're going to do it, why the election of what, 08?
1: Yeah, I think what happened was I think a couple things. I think that she was so rich at that point. I think she was ready to step down from the host chair and ready to kind of move on a little bit. I I also think that um, so she was willing to take a gamble. I don't think she when in doing a, a risk assessment. I don't think she realized the grave risk she was taking. I think she took her audience a little too much for granted. And the times were already changing just a little bit in terms of media. She was already getting some backlash um, because our culture was changing a little bit. You know, she got backlash Backlash? for the fact that she, she, well, (laughs) not backlash, like Van Jones said. Um, But I think she was, I think that she, the the previous couple years before she went political, uh, she, you know, people were angry at her that they didn't realize when she was doing these big giveaway shows that they were going to have to pay taxes on it. And they kind of felt like, uh, yeah, and it was like, and she was mad and her response was bad because instead of saying, I'm so sorry that people didn't understand, that wasn't my intention, it was like you bunch of ingrates.
2: You know, and they're thinking,
1: look, you're wealthier. They're thinking you're wealthier than the Sultan of Brunei and you're hitting me with the tax bill. Why? You know, if you're going to give me a car, shouldn't you pay that as well? It's not like they went on a game show They and you know you're going to have to pay taxes on it. They just decided to go to her show that day and then they're hit with a tax bill. So she was already, you know, a, her her luster was fading a little bit. And I think that she's so much more communist, so much more Marxist than anybody realized. Yep. yep. And so she couldn't help herself when Barack Obama, she's, she's a phony. She showed it a little bit when she went over to Scandinavia and she interviewed people over there because this is when during the campaign and people were starting to push for the great Scandinavian socialism. So she takes her show over there and she goes into this woman's apartment in Copenhagen or Stockholm. And and she's like, because it's like, oh my gosh, everything's free. You get free this and free that. And and then she goes in to see how these Scandinavians are living in this beautiful Stockholm. And she goes in and she's like, it's 500 square feet where these two people are living. Nobody over there has kids. And she's like, (laughs) well, what, you know, and she's like, literally says, where do you keep your shoes? And literally, and the lady's like, well, we don't have more than one or two pair. And it's like, If I had been Oprah, I would not have aired the episode, because she really showed what a a mind-numbingly stupid person she is. Incredible charisma, but dumber than a stump when it comes to politics and economic issues. So her star was fading. I don't think she realized how much it was fading, and she took a calculated risk that didn't pay off. She also thought... And taking that risk that she was going to end up in that that, uh, Obama White House. And I don't know if you remember. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. But she was mad. This sister friend didn't get a cabinet position or she might have been looking for some kind of great ambassadorship. And he was like, sorry, girl, I'm leaving you on the Navy. She at least wanted like a Nobel Peace Prize, right? Or something like the President's (laughs) Award for
2: for bravery in a Washington fight or something.
1: Exactly. Instead, he left her eating a Chicago dog, which are not which are overrated, in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> Have you ever been to Chicago? I, I used to love that city, but it, like everything else, it used to be clean, well run. Now it's just like an armpit. Of course, Oprah uh, left Chicago and she spends her time out in Montecito out here. She'll be skedaddling uh, before long because before long, uh, the crime wave is going to be hitting her area. Oh, sounds like we are out of time. Another fast two hours here on The Andrea and K Show. Email me at com. 24-hour hotline is 844-814-5227. Don't forget our podcast. You can download it. Thank you, Sesame Broccolini, for being a kick-butt producer. Thank you to my guests, my listeners. Love you all. Prayers for Israel. Prayers for the wonderful gal, the hostage, all the hostages, and the one we saw in the video today. Love you all. Peace out.